0: to to bring god's word to you if you have your bibles turn with me to the the book of ruth in the old testament we're going to be in the book of ruth here in uh, just a moment it is truly an honor today your your pastoral team are some of my favorite people pastor aaron i i made fun a little bit in the first service i'm not going to do it in this one i'm never around you that i'm not encouraged and uh, you, you have been an encouragement in my life, and I appreciate that, man, and thank you so much. And uh, Pastor Ken, this is such an honor to be with you and Carrie in the church today. I will, uh, I, I will let you know, I think your pastor is, is one of the finest leaders that I know. And uh, I, I've seen that as a friend. I've seen that in the role that he serves, kind of in our fellowship of churches. Um, but what I've watched today that I've never been able to watch is your pastor as a shepherd And I can tell you from being in a role like this for a long time, you are blessed with Pastor Ken and Pastor Kerry and uh, very much so. So yeah, thank you. Can I take a minute and introduce you to our family? I think we got a picture here that we can show you today of, uh, of the crew. Uh, Rhonda and I, as Pastor Ken said, we've been married for 30 years. All the way on the right is our oldest, Clayton, and his wife, Ari. They live in Springfield, Missouri, and I serve in a ministry called Convoy of Hope. Have you ever heard of Convoy of Hope? And uh, we're very just, just proud of them and what they're doing. There, all the way on your left, is our son, Evan. He is currently a student at V. Ohio State University and oh uh, we got a few in the room all right that's that's helpful and uh, then our son-in-law Daniel and our daughter Carissa right there next to Rhonda they live in Columbus and just so proud of them but the the main person in that whole picture you know who it is don't you <laughs> Lewis right there in the middle he just turned a year in September and uh, is just brought so much joy to our home the hard part the hard part is um, he, he's just so loving and he's so kind I just know he's I'm his favorite, and see that's that's the part that is a little awkward at times, and just uh, so so happy for our family and fun to watch how God has continued to bless. I remember when they were little, probably, man, it was a season of time where we had three kids, kind of all under five, six years old, and we had this this red uh, minivan, and I remember coming home one day from the church, and Rhonda saying to me the words that no husband ever wants to hear, she said to me, I think there's something wrong with the van. And I was like, okay, well, what, what is it? And she said, well, whenever I make a left-hand turn, the horn honks. And I just thought to myself, I mean, I was like, oh, okay, I'll look into it. And I thought to myself, no, it doesn't, because that's not how cars work. Like, I know this. Like, you must have just kind of hit the horn or, or whatever, but it, no, it doesn't. Well, she mentioned it a couple more times. I hadn't driven it in a while, you know, and she just says, hey, it happened again today. I made a left turn, the horn hocked. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll look into it, whatever. So then, and if, if you're familiar with the Toledo area, I was in an intersection where, where Glendale Avenue comes into the Anthony Wayne Trail. And so it's this, it's, so some of you know this, right? This big, wide sweeping kind of, and I'm driving, Rhonda's sit in the passenger seat, and when I turn, literally, it's like, all the way through the intersection. I got people turning, looking, faces, stares, couple of hand gestures, like, what's up with this guy? Just all the way through the intersection, at which point I look over to Rhonda, like, what's wrong with your van? (laughs) You know? And she's just sitting over there, like, she has so many times in these 30 years, like, you. Like, now you know, right? So we had to look into it, and it's just this weird, I think it was like that particular model had an issue, where in the steering column, literally, the wires would get crossed, And when they did, and you made a left-hand turn, right, at that point. And it was interesting, right there at that crossroads, I realized I got some wires crossed in my life. Life is full of crossroads, isn't it? And we find ourselves in these places where we're making big decisions. Do I go forward? Do I change my direction? Do I need to go back where I came from? Life comes with crossroads, all the time. Life comes at us with crossroads. And, and I, would, I would challenge you to say, it's not just the big decisions. I think we find ourselves at crossroads every day of our lives. So today, we're gonna to take a look at a story from the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And we're gonna look at, from, from Ruth's example, how do we live our lives when we come to those crossroads in our lives? So if you're not familiar with the book of Ruth, let me give you just a quick synopsis. It starts out telling the story about a man and his wife, and their two sons. They lived in Israel, and there was a famine that came to Israel, and they had to basically leave Israel and go to the neighboring nation, Moab, next door. So they're kind of almost in exile. They're outsiders. They find themselves in Moab. They're there because that was the only way they could survive. While they're there, their sons continue to grow. Their two sons find wives, and what happens in what is already kind of a tragic story is that over time, the husband dies, Both sons die, and Naomi, who's who's the mother, Naomi is left with her two foreign daughters-in-law living in a foreign land. And at some point, the famine lifts, and this is what we read in the story. Ruth chapter one, verse six. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. So literally, she's on a journey. And she and her daughters-in-law are heading back to the place that was her home, the place where she came from. She has lost so much in Moab, and now she's heading back home. But at some point, They came to a crossroad, right? Life is filled with crossroads. And literally on this road, on this journey, they come to this point and watch what happens. Ruth chapter one, verse eight. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. Her, her request made sense. She looked at them and said, Sweeties, that it's, that's what she called them. It's in the Hebrew. You don't see them here. But, but she looked at them and said, Sweeties, you go back home to your mother's home. Go back where you came from. It doesn't make any sense for you to go with me back to my home Because here you can can find spouses. Here you can find security in in the home of your family. Here it makes sense for you to stay. But don't don't come back with me. Because with me there's just insecurity. With me there's uncertainty. You should go back and go home. But one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, she wasn't hearing it. And even though Naomi was saying, go back, go back home. Listen to what Ruth says. Ruth chapter 1 verse 16. But Ruth replied... Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Isn't that an iconic statement? Like, like maybe you've, you've heard it before. Maybe you've heard it preached or maybe you've read it for yourself. Or Oftentimes we'll hear it at a, at a wedding ceremony. We'll hear a passage like that. And Ruth loved and was committed to Naomi in such a way that not only was she committed to her mother-in-law, but she had learned from her mother-in-law to put faith in the one true living God. And she had this faith that caused her to say, you go, I go. You stay, I stay. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. And she was making a decision that her faith was more than just something that she believed. Her faith was more than something that she just talked about. Her faith was something that she was going to live out, especially in one of those crossroad moments. And that's where Ruth finds herself here, at a crossroad where she says, I am going to make a decision to live out my faith and what you'll see when we walk through this today is that decision she made at the crossroad not only changed that moment literally this whole book that we have was was shaped in some way by the decision that Ruth made when she stood at that crossroad the history of eternity was actually shaped by a decision that she made literally in that moment and so I want to encourage you today at every crossroad you will have a choice to live out your faith. At every crossroad that you come to in life, every one of those moments, every one of those decision points, every one of those challenges you face, you're gonna have a moment where you have to choose, am I gonna live out my faith? And some of you are hearing this today, and it's good for you to hear because there's there's gonna be a crossroad in your future at some point. But some of you, you know right now in this moment that you're at a crossroad That what God is speaking to you today is very timely for where you are. And if I only leave you with three words that you remember. These are the three. Live your faith. That you live your faith. That in this crossroad moment, you do more than talk about it. You do more than think about it. You do more than say, oh, I'm a person of faith. That you actually live out your faith. Because there is a difference between talk and walk. Is there not? Like there's a difference between what you say and then what you actually do and how you live it out. There's a difference, and it really shows up in the Crossroad moments. Like there's a difference between just going to church on Sunday or just watching online and then choosing to be like Jesus on Tuesday. There's a difference when your friends at school know that you say you're a Christian, but when they look at you, you, you really don't look any different or act any different or live any different from the rest of the people in your class. You hold certain thoughts from the Bible and you, you like them. You, you like grace. You like peace. You like forgiveness. But when it comes time to use your money, it's, it's hard for you to do it in a way that God wants you to because you want to do it in the way that you want to. There's a difference between how we walk and how we talk. When you live it, we call it walking in faith. When you just talk it, we call it hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is a tragedy. I've been privileged to, to, to do what I do for a long time, 28 years serving in churches, the last 25 very privileged to be at Calvary in, in Mommy and to serve and, and one of the things that I've seen is one of the most destructive things that can happen in a person's life and their family is for them to talk one way but then walk in a different way. It hurts relationships with other people. I was a kid's pastor for nine years and I can tell you, I don't know that there's anything that's more destructive to the faith of a child than for them to see their parent live one way at home but act some way different when they're outside of the house. Hypocrisy is not just a tragedy, it's destructive and it's not the way it's supposed to be. Do do we have any, uh, I'm kind of taking a little poll here, do we have any Cleveland Browns fans in the room? It's what I expected. I figured we were kind of moving a little bit closer that direction. I've actually seen several jerseys that have surprised me even, or, you know, gear since we've been here today. Um, I'll I'll take a little risky question here. Do we have any Ravens fans in the room? Okay, I didn't think so. You look mostly like Christians. I didn't think there'd be Ravens fans (laughs) in the room. I heard of a Ravens fan recently who went to the, the, in Baltimore, went to the actual like official store to get some gear, and when he was in there, he saw a a baseball hat that had the Ravens logo on it. He's like, I like that hat, you know, kind of saw it on display, so he just kind of reached up, grabbed one, went to the counter, checked out, put it in a bag, got home. When he got home, he pulled it out, and he noticed something is not right about this hat. I think we've got a picture of it that I can show you. You see up there, there's the the Ravens logo, right? There's the the Baltimore Ravens logo, and then can you see what it says real faintly underneath there? Steelers. Now, if you know anything about football in this part of the world, there is a bitter rivalry between the Ravens and the Steelers. Are we, are we friends yet, Pastor Ken? Do you think? Are we friends? Can I confess something to some of you? I grew up kind of over in Warren near Youngstown, kind of the Pennsylvania State line. It's a long story. I've been a Steelers fan my whole life. Passed pass that along to my boys, and it's just kind of a part of our family uh, heritage. And our, our sons made just one very simple request of our daughter. They said, Chrissa, when you get married, whatever you do, don't marry a Ravens fan. Do you know what she did? She went off and married a Ravens fan. He is a wonderful, godly man, and we're so thankful for him. He just needs some healing. Would you pray? Right? But here's, here's why. Because those two things do not go together, do they? Like That's not the way it's supposed to be. You, you can't have both. You're either one or the other. And you can't say that you love Jesus and then not live that way. Because that's hypocrisy. As, as, as hypocritical as that hat is, even more, if you just talk it and you don't walk it, you're missing the whole thing. So if you just grab hold of one thing today, grab hold of this, especially at the crossroad moments, you gotta live your faith. You gotta put it into action. You gotta live it out. My challenge to you, Do more than just talk about your faith. Live your faith. So so let me give you four ways today. We're gonna go back to Ruth's words, right? Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. And we're gonna unpack that a little bit for these next few moments. I wanna give you four ways to live your faith. Today, we're gonna look at four ways to live your faith. Ruth chapter one, verse 16. Let me read it one more time. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. So let's start with the go part. Here's here's what we see there. If you're gonna live out your faith, number one, live your faith in obedience. First thing, we're gonna talk about four ways to live your faith, number one, live your faith in obedience. Isn't that exactly what Ruth did? She knew what God wanted her to do, she knew what was, was inside of her to follow Naomi, to, to follow that God. But she couldn't just talk about it. She had to choose to respond with action. It was time to go. So if we're talking about obedience today, two, two thoughts. First, be obedient in the big things. Be obedient in the, in the big things in your life. Those, those crossroads moments, those times where you know that this is more than just another day. This is a crossroad moment. This, this is going to affect in certain ways. It's the big decisions you make. It's what you do when you get bad news. It's those moments when you have to show integrity on the job. It's those times when you have to make a big change. It's when you have to choose God's way over the way of the people around us, who you will be in a relationship with, how you will get involved in the church. It's those moments where you make those big decisions. And look, there's there's a lot of drama that happens in this story. Like we, we skipped a little bit of this story as we got to it because remember Naomi had two sons. Both sons had a wife. So now she's at this crossroads with not only her daughter-in-law, Ruth, but she's also at the crossroad with her daughter-in-law, whose name was Orpah. Everybody say Orpah, not Oprah, right? If we were talking about Oprah, everybody would walk out of here with a new car today, true? We're not talking about Oprah, we're talking about Orpah. And Orpah made the opposite decision from Ruth. Remember, Naomi says, sweetie's. You go back home. Look at this, Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother in law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. It would be easy to make Orpah out to be a villain, but she really didn't do anything wrong, did she? Like, if I was her parent, this is the choice I would want her to make. She did the thing that made sense. She went back to the place where she had some security. The reality is it's probably the thing that culture was calling for her to do. She she really didn't do anything wrong. She just played it safe. But when God is calling you to be obedient, playing it safe will not do, true? We have to be willing to follow him. What choice will you make? Will you play it safe or will you live out your faith? And can I just encourage you, be careful not to play it safe. Be careful in those moments when God is asking you for obedience that you don't choose instead to play it safe. Now look, there is a difference between what we would call playing it safe and what we would call wisdom. Like sometimes we wanna take these bold steps of faith. Like, Let me give you an example. Let's say you need some financial blessing from the Lord. And so you decide that you're gonna take a big step of faith. And so you pull all your money out of savings and you say, Lord, I'm gonna take this money and I'm gonna trust you to multiply it at the casino. And so you go to the casino and you bet with it all because you trust that God is going to bless you. Is that called faith? (laughs) No, that's called, can I use the word dumb, pastor? Can I just say it's just dumb? Right, that's not faith. So you need to understand something. Playing it safe and acting in wisdom are not the same things, right? You, You need to listen to wise counsel. You need to listen to God's word. You need to listen to sometimes even what's just common sense, But the reality is there will be moments in all of our lives where God's going to stir something inside of us or we're going to come to a cultural crossroad where we have to make a big decision. And in those moments, do not play it safe. Trust God. Look, I I don't know your stories. I don't know what your church background is. I don't know where you come from. But I just want to encourage you with this. Whether you've been in a church for a long time or you're new, journey I just want you to know you're a part of a special place here like I've known this for a long time but I've experienced today pastor Ken for the for the first time for myself this is a special church and can I take a minute and affirm your pastors because there is nothing that is playing it safe about starting a new church you have gifted leaders who could have done a lot of things but when God whispered in their heart to come here and plant a church They chose not to play it safe, but to take that step of faith, to say, God, if that's where you want us to go, that's what we'll do. And now today, there is a thriving, healthy, world-changing church that is happening right here, because they didn't say, hey, we're going to play it safe. Instead, they said, God, if that's where you want us to go, that's where we'll go. And I can tell you, you are blessed by Pastor Ken and Carrie, and how God has done through their leadership here at this church. Amen? And thankful for that. So so look, be obedient in those big things. But also, can I tell you, be obedient in the small things. Not just those big crossroad intersection moments. But in the everyday, all day. Because it's not just the big things, it's the little things. I can tell you, I'm pretty sure that when Ruth got to that crossroads, that was not the first time she decided that she would be obedient to God. It had been a lot of little obediences that put her in the place to be ready for the big one. And we do that day to day. Like the reality is that's kind of one of the things that's the most, uh, I don't know, dangerous about distracted driving. I'm not asking for any confessions, right? I think we're all guilty <laughs> of those moments where we go, I just got to text him back real quick while we're driving. Anybody? I've got a friend that literally drives and she scrolls Facebook at the same time. That's why I don't ride with my friend who scrolls Facebook at the same time but sometimes it's just as dangerous to mess with the radio. Do you the most distracted I've ever seen somebody be when I've been riding, riding with them? is when they're eating. Anybody else? Like you shouldn't order a steak and then drive, amen? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But the problem is not so much, you're usually okay if you're just cruising down the road. The problem comes at the crossroads. It comes at the intersections. The places where there's decisions that have to be made and where there's intersections with other people's lives that if we're not paying attention in those little moments, that's when you have big issues. So that's why everyday obedience matters. Because if you are not in your conversations and in moments of temptation and how you think about the world and and what you do with culture, Pastor, you just mentioned it, even as significant as how, how we're gonna vote in these next few days. Those little things... Add up to be big things that make a big difference. And aren't you so glad God's given us his word? Look at this, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. So before we jump to the next thing, just think about this real quick. What crossroads are you gonna encounter in the next seven days? Your work, your family, your spiritual life? What are those places in your journey where you're going to have to make a decision to live your faith. Can I encourage you, number one, live your faith in obedience. Here's the second one. Remember what Ruth said? She said, where you go, I'll go. Then she said, where you stay, I'll stay, right? And that second thing shows us this, that you live your faith, not just in obedience, but you live your faith in faithfulness. That you live your faith in faithfulness. I think for all of us, there's times when we're, maybe prone to wander, maybe think that we want to do things on our own or go back to some of the old ways. But faithfulness means you say, God, you are the foundation of my life. My neighbor across the street had a one-car garage, and he decided he wanted to expand that. So they knocked down his garage, it was on the side of his house, and now they're rebuilding it, and he's going to get a two-guard garage out of it. So from where my little office is upstairs at my house, I can look right out the window, and, and I see his house. So I've been watching this whole process. You know, they knock it down, they do all this. The tricky part is, is right there kind of at the edge of where his house is, his property goes down at like a steep little hill. So now they want to build this garage out over where this slope goes down. So what's been interesting to watch is how much work they've had to do to get that ready. So they've, they've had all these equipment pieces out there and this, this large manufacturing equipment that, that's out there that's digging these holes and all this stuff. My, my little uh, one-year-old grandson was over and I said, hey, Lewis wants to go out and see the big trucks and all the big equipment. Lewis didn't care. I wanted to go see it but he was my excuse, praise God for grandchildren, amen? And uh, So Lewis and I go out, we're watching this whole thing, I mean it's been weeks to watch this thing happen because they had to dig it all out, then they had to fortify it all kind of with block, and then they're doing, they're doing the footer and the concrete and all this, and they're letting the, the base, and then they're pouring the whole thing. like this has taken weeks to happen. And then two days ago on Friday, some contractors showed up, and like in a day, they've got the whole thing framed. So if you just drove by on Friday, you'd say, man, they sure put that garage up quick. But from across the street, I know it's taken weeks and weeks and weeks for them to get to a place where there's a foundation where that's not gonna be built on a slippery slope. And when you come to those crossroads, when you come to those moments, when you come to those intersections of decision, you have to decide, what is my foundation? And if your foundation is not built on Jesus Christ then you're just on a slippery slope, isn't that true? So look, be faithful in the day to day. Live your life with great consistency. Live your life in a way, even in those moments when it's not easy, mom and dad with your kids, when you're in that work environment where where culture pulls you away from what you believe God's word teaches, when you're in that job that you really don't love, when you wonder if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, when when your friends try to get you to do things that are fun today that you will only regret tomorrow, in those moments remember that God blesses ordinary everyday faithfulness. When you read the the book of Ruth, when you read the rest of this for yourself, you're gonna see God blesses ordinary everyday faithfulness. So, So be faithful in the day to day. Sometimes that means you just show up. You ever had one of those days? But be faithful in the day to day and be faithful in the difficult, be faithful in the difficult. So we're, we're really not that far from each other. We're neighbors. We basically both live on the turnpike, don't we? Right, we're kind of right in this same area. Anybody ever been to mommy? A lot of you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So Maumee is, is a cool little town, and we're doing something really fun right now. We decided it would be really great if in this season we would do construction on every single road in Maumee. <laughs> you want to get there from the north? You're going to go through construction. You want to get there from the south? Guess what you're going to go through? Construction. If you come from the west, we're putting in a new interchange. If you come from the east, which I do every day, they're just tormenting us right every single road and and there's there's honestly there's no real way to avoid it it's everywhere if you ever want to see the fruit of the spirit not come out in people's lives it's construction isn't it and the other day I was driving and a little stretch of road that on a normal day would take me 3 minutes to drive through i sat there for at least 10 15 minutes and i remember just racking my brain i thinking, there's got to be a way to avoid this. And I just realized the only way for me to get where I want to go is that I have to go through this construction. And construction does not just happen on the roads, does it? It happens in our lives. And too many times people go through some bumpy roads. They go through some lane closures. They go through some detours and they go, that's it, I'm out. I give up. God must not be there. This must not be, I I don't know. And you just, you start to dismiss these things. Can I encourage you today, don't quit when life is under construction. Because even when it is, is God still calling you to be faithful? And here's what you'll see. I know this, I, I think I know human nature. I know Chad's human nature. In about two to three years, when all this is finished up and it's beautiful, I'm gonna go, man, these roads are great. But right now, in the middle of it, I'm prone to look for ways to get out of it when often the only answer, whoever just finished my sermon, thank you. That was good, that was good, that was good. Keep driving through it. Keep going through it. And some of you, that's the words you need to hear today. Don't quit when life's under construction. So, so um, Ruth says, where you go, I'll go. And that's, that's an act of obedience. And then she says, where you stay, i stay. That's an act of faithfulness. But then there's a third one. Do you remember she said? Your people will be my people. And if you're gonna live your faith, and let's be honest about it, the places where our faith really comes out more than anywhere else is in our interaction with one another, isn't it? It's in our relationships. If anybody's going to see that I'm not living out my faith, it's usually the people who are closest to me. Anybody else? So here's the third thing that I want you to see. Number three, live your faith in relationships. Number three, live your faith in relationships. I I read a story a couple weeks ago about a guy, picture this a little bit, he lives in Nebraska and one of the things that he loves to do is ride his bike and there's this beautiful park near where he lives and he goes out and he will ride his bike on the trails in this park and he likes to do it in the dark. Like he likes to go out and do these moonlight bike rides. Anybody think that's weird? Okay, it gets worse. The other thing that this guy likes to do is he raises like birds, and so he has a favorite parrot. And so when he goes on these moonlight bike rides, he usually does it with a parrot on his shoulder, like he's a park pirate or something. I don't know exactly what's going on there. So he was doing this earlier this month, and he said all of a sudden he's cruising down the trail, he's got his favorite parrot on his shoulder. Anybody else picturing this and wondering what's wrong with this man? Anybody else? As he's riding his bike, he said all of a sudden he saw a flash of brown off to the side, and the next thing he knew, he, he woke up on the side of the road. Here, as he was riding his bike down this path, a deer jumps out of the woods. Like, he said it was like getting struck by lightning. Like, immediately, exactly where that guy was, and just knocked him off his bike. And he wakes up. He doesn't have to wonder where his parrot is, because what wakes him up is his parrot is sitting on his chest, pecking at him the whole time. And they think that the parrot was, was worried about him and was trying to wake him back up. So just for reference, if this dude ever asked you to go to the park with him, the answer is no. no, don't go. But I thought about this. I've had both in my life. I've had deer and I've had parrots. I have some people in my life who have blindsided me. Anybody else? <laughs> I've had some people in my life who have knocked me for a loop. Anybody else? And I've had some friends who have been there in the worst moments, and even if they're a little irritating sometimes. They just wanted the best for me. You ready for a word of encouragement? Be the parrot, not the deer. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? So here, in your relationships, encourage your friends. Because your friends need Encouragement. In the world that we live in, Pastor, I love, I love the prayer that you're doing. I, I might skip church at Calvary next week so I can be here for the Last day series. You've, you've got me interested. Praise God for online. Check that out. But right, your friends need encouragement. Some of you need encouragement. Some of you need encouragement that, that God has a call in your life. Can I show you this really interesting little piece in the New Testament? Let's jump away from Ruth for just a minute. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of letters that are in the Bible. Anybody ever read any of them? Right? Paul wrote a lot of them. And at most of them, right, he ends it by like listing all these people. And he just starts listing all these names. And he says, Hey, thank Ken for letting us meet in in his home. And thank Rhonda for helping us all out. And thank Aaron. He's a good soldier. Like he lists all these people in these different things. And he does this at the end of the book of Colossians. Like he has this whole list, and then he stops. And then he says, hey, make sure everybody reads this letter. And then, right when you think he's about to say, yours truly, Paul, he goes back and says something else. Look at this, Colossians chapter four, verse 17. Paul says, tell Archippus, now he's not done this anywhere else. Like he's listed people by name, but he's never told the church to make sure that the church says something to somebody else. And Paul says this, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Like Paul singles out this dude Archippus and tells the church to check up on him. Why would he do that? Like I'm trying to think this through. Was it because Archippus was in trouble? Anybody else have that your first answer? That probably tells you something about you and me. (laughs) Was Was it because he thought maybe Archippus was in trouble? Or maybe it was because Archippus needed some encouragement to get something done. Or maybe Archippus was having a hard time believing in himself. Maybe he'd lost the idea that God had not only called him, but that he had great value to God and to the church. And there's all these different options that are there. Do you know which one I think it is of all those different options? Yes, I think it's all of them. (laughs) Because all of us need to hear some of those things sometimes. And what Paul says here is, do you know what the role of the church is? is to speak into the lives of one another and say, God has good things for you. God has a plan for your life. And to nudge you into that calling and to encourage you in what God called you to, and maybe even to call you back when you started to wander away. And we need each other to be the parrot and not the deer. True? So look, encourage your friends. Let let me take it one more step. When we're talking about relationships, don't just encourage your friends, but love your spouse. Love Your spouse I I can't help but think that if anything in life is like going through crossroads marriage is a series of intersections isn't it (laughs) like over and over again we find ourselves in those moments I've been privileged to pastor Calvary for a long time and one of the things and and pastor I know you do this like as a shepherd there's times where you just kind of get concerned for the condition of the flock that God has called you to lead does that make sense and I can tell you what I'm seeing in the life of the church that I'm a part of and what I think I'm seeing in, in, in a big part of our overall culture, that one of the places where our enemy is honing in on his attacks is in the home and family, and especially at marriages. Anybody ever seen the, the devil's business card? Have you ever seen it? Anybody seen it? It just it says the devil, and then right underneath it says steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he wants to do to everything God loves and he wants to do it to you and if you are in this season in a season of marriage he has his sights set any way he can to destroy that. So I was talking with a friend of mine who's in a pretty he's in a pretty desperate place. Odds are that um, unless God intervenes in some way he and his wife are probably going to Throwing the towel. And I realized as I was talking to him that so many times what happens is we get in these moments and we start fighting against each other instead of fighting with each other. Right, we need to fight together the enemy that's out to destroy us instead of thinking that the destruction and the enemy is our spouse. And choosing that we're gonna, we're gonna take this thing together in these moments. And I realized that my friend... Is, is currently in his life in the middle of an intersection. And intersections are the places where we often have to pay the most attention, are they not? And he is so dangerously vulnerable to some kind of blindside from the enemy. And I had to say to my friend, look man, you are in the, the middle of a crossroad, and you need to be wise that there is an enemy who wants to destroy you here, and if only you and your wife could allow God to do a healing work in your lives where instead of fighting against each other, you're gonna fight together to see God do a work in your home and in your family. I'm not saying it's easy, I'm not saying it happens overnight, but I believe that the Lord can help them, amen? And I want to encourage you, if you're gonna live your faith, it happens in your relationships. Encourage your friends, love your spouse. Can I I take it one one more step? Lead your children, encourage your friends, love your spouse. Lead your children. The, the Amazon River, not the, not the folks that bring you packages, but the Amazon River in Brazil is experiencing a, a drought, and there are portions of it that are lower right now than they've historically been in a very long time. And so that's not a, not a good thing, but one of the things that's happening as a result of that is that as the water levels are going down, there are portions along the Amazon River where there are things that are being seen that haven't been seen in centuries. And one of those, I saw, you could could search this online, there's this kind of broad swath of rock where they see where people, prehistoric type people from what we know in that part of the world, going back at least a thousand years, had carved things into that rock. And most of the carvings that were in that portion were faces, these crude kind of rock carvings of faces. And you can actually see, like different physical expressions in the faces that are carved into that rock. There's one that I kid you not looks almost like the smiley face emoji that you just sent to your best friend last night. Like it's right there in that rock. And what's interesting is these things that were embedded maybe even hundreds, maybe even over a thousand years ago have been there all along. Parents and grandparents, in the words that you say, in the things that you do, ultimately in the way that you live your faith, you are etching things into the hearts of your children. I think no matter what their age, and those things that you might think are under the surface are dug in there pretty well, and they're gonna make a difference in the life of your children. And I can tell you, when the things that you've etched in their lives Don't match up to the picture that you want everyone to see. It's a destructive thing. Live your faith. It will make a difference for generations. And I I know this, anytime we talk about these different relational things, there's bound to be some people who go, I already messed that one up. I already messed up my kids. I already messed up my relationships. I've already failed with friends. Aren't you glad we have a God who says it's never too late? And he can bring restoration and he can bring healing. And so it starts though, when you live your faith. What did Ruth say? She said, where you go, I'll go. And where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. We've talked about obedience and faithfulness in relationships. Let me give you one last one, number four. Live your faith in God. Live your faith in God. Isn't that what it all comes down to ultimately? Whether you're just cruising through life or you are at a crossroad, especially at the crossroads, will you choose to put your faith and your trust and your confidence in God? A couple of weeks ago, um, Rhonda and I, just kind of wanted to get away for a little while and so we we drove up to northern michigan we had never been there before we lived in this area for 25 years people have always told us oh you should go up the you should go up north you should go up north we've never done it so we did it it's beautiful anybody ever been up there like it's gorgeous as a as a as an individual who is writing checks to the ohio state university right now it hurts me to say that something in michigan was beautiful right, it's beautiful, I got issues with their football team, but their geography is is beautiful, now, we we got a little misdirected, I think we got a little lost a couple times, because it appears that someone in Michigan has been stealing signs, (laughs) did you see what I did there, all right, sorry, sorry about that, sorry about that, but it was beautiful up there, I can't say that joke in Toledo, by the way, like, I don't know what it's like over here, but there's a, so, um, we're driving back, we had the best time, it was beautiful, we had just some great days just kinda relaxing and eating good food, just having a good time. We're driving home, it rained all the way home. And a good portion of it, it's pouring, it's just miserable, I just, and, and I'm driving and all of a sudden I'm like, this is so, I hate this, I can't, oh I don't wanna, I just want this to be over. Because anybody else human, right? And I just, I so quickly became just discouraged and miserable and grumpy. I was letting the rain get the best of me. This whole, all of a sudden I was like, Chad, what is wrong with you? Like you, you just had the best time and you know that you're doing what it takes to get through this and you know that you're getting closer to home with every mile. So get a hold of yourself. And so many times when we go through the journeys of life, we let the rainy days get us down. We have a hard time being patient. We deal with things we didn't expect and we wanna give up. Can I give you just a a word of encouragement if you're gonna put your trust in God? Here it is, Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight. Jesus Christ is the same. Read this with me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Does anybody believe that? I've heard that verse enough times that you start to forget how true it is. Because God's been faithful in the past. Anybody, Anybody, he's been faithful to you just like me? Anybody else? I'm so thankful. And God is faithful today. And here's what I want you to know, especially if you're at a crossroad, you can know God will be faithful in the future. And he's gonna be with you each and every step of the way. Um, when we read this passage We read it and we usually just read verse 16, where you go, I'll go, where you stay, I'll stay. Your people might be, your God, my God. And then we stop there and we don't get to verse 17. But Ruth's not done. Can I read you verse 17? Look at this, here's what she says. She goes, you know, um, go, stay, people, God. Then she says, where you die, I will die. Bless God. That one's not as pleasant, is it? Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you me but it brings a reality someday your chance to live your faith is going to end it's appointed every every one of us someday to die unless the lord returns first and so someday you're going to stand before jesus and what are you going to be able to say about the way you've lived your faith and can i encourage you it doesn't just make a difference for you The way you live your faith today is going to make a difference for generations. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, just kind of looking at our life and looking at the life of our kids. And sometimes I go, God, I see your favor in ways in our lives. And I don't know why. And here's what I've come to realize, that Rhonda and I have had prayers answered in our life that we never prayed but my grandma did. My aunt and uncle did. I can look at prayers that Ron,'s mom and dad prayed. Prayers that my mom has prayed. That I never even knew they prayed, but I've seen God answer them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Every so often, people will, will say to me, ah, Chad, you're doing a great job at leading Calvary. And I don't tell them the truth. The truth is that when I, when I became the pastor at Calvary, I stepped into a very unique situation, right? The the church is is 72 years old this year. I'm not 72. The church is 72. Because you were looking at me and saying, there's no way that handsome young man is 72. The church is 72. And when I became the pastor at Calvary, I stepped into an elevator of blessing that was already going up. Because in 1960, And in 1976 and in 1985, there were people and leaders and folks in that church that made decisions in those moments that set the course of God's blessing for years to come. You know this. The way you live and lead in your church today, people in future generations are either going to shake their head or thank you for in the future. So you know what you do right now for your family. You know what you do for your church right now. You live your faith because it's going to make a difference in the long term. And you say, Chad, it's hard. I don't don't know that I can do this because obedience is going to cost me something. And faithfulness means more patience. You ask me about relationships, you should see the people in my life. And God, I'm sick of rainy days. How am I supposed to live my faith? I'll let you read the rest of the book of Ruth. Can I just take you to the last verse? Look at this, Ruth chapter four, verse 16. To sum it up for you, Ruth and Naomi get back to Israel. They have nothing. And a man named Boaz is brought to them by God. And he not only cares for them, the the language scripture uses is that he redeems them. And Ruth and Boaz get married and they have a son and Naomi is a proud grandparent. Any proud grandparents in the room? Ruth chapter four, verse 16. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Wait, what? David? King David? The the one who... God makes a covenant to that from you my Messiah will come? Ruth's the great grandmother of a king and if you go to Ancestry.com you'll find her under the name Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Now look, here's what I want you to see. Ruth stood at a crossroad between Moab and Israel, between known and unknown, between safe and uncertain, and she did not stand there and go, I bet if I go, I'll be the great grandmother of a king. She said, God, I trust you. Even at this crossroad, I trust you. And I believe that you'll lead me every step of the way. Here's, here's what I know. Living your faith at today's crossroads leads the way to tomorrow's blessing. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a moment? And before Pastor Ken comes, I just want to pray with you. Some of you are at a crossroads of faith. And you're saying to yourself, I don't know that I can do this on my own anymore. And you need forgiveness from Jesus, the Savior. And you need purpose from Jesus, the Lord. I don't know if you got it, but this whole story is about Jesus. And there's no better time than today for you to simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. And some of you are at a crossroads today because of something a doctor said or an employer did. You're at a crossroad because of a family situation. Maybe you're at a crossroad because you've heard the voice of the Holy Spirit nudging you to take a step of faith. Maybe it's things you don't know how to deal with or it's things you never saw coming or it's a moment where you have an exciting choice and decision in front of you. You're just not so sure that you're enough for it. But I wanna pray for you today. If you're at a crossroad, if that's you, we've got heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just lift a hand right where you are? You say, I'm at a crossroad, Chad, would you pray for me today? You can lift your hand and put it right back down. I'm at a crossroad, would you pray for me? You're watching online, do it right where you're at. Raise a hand and just say, God, I'm at a crossroad, would you help me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, your word is timeless. And so for every one of us, Holy Spirit, through your word, you've spoken to us today. But Lord, your word is also timely. And there's some of us in this room that are at crossroads and needed to hear this word from you today. Lord, I pray for my friends. Would you help them to be obedient even when it takes a, a step of faith? And God, would you help them to be faithful even when it's not easy? God, would you help them to be the parrot and not the deer? Lord, would you bring life to their relationships? And I pray for my friends who are in the middle of a rainy day and just needed to know that you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And that Today's crossroad is just an opportunity, even though they can't see it, for you to bring blessing in the future. God, you're so good. Holy Spirit, thanks for the way that you have spoken through your word today. Would you bless it with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Thanks.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that encouragement and that challenge. Hey, would you do me a favor if you've been stirred this morning and maybe you've just said, "You know, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. I I, I haven't understood it." But I know that I need to follow him with my life. On your connection card that we mentioned earlier, there's a place that says my next step. Would you check that box that says I'm starting a relationship with Jesus? Maybe you just need to reaffirm. You followed Jesus in the past, but you realize that he hasn't been calling the shots in your life. And you want to just say, Jesus, I want you to be the master and leader and forgiver of my life. And so you can check that box. Maybe there's another decision you didn't make. Just check those out. In a moment, when we dismiss you, we have some good-looking people that will be in the back with the white buckets, and you can stick those cards back there. Maybe for you, something was said, and, and you know that you need to just take a moment to meditate and to not just walk out. And so as we dismiss you in a moment, uh, we want you to know there's just a space up here. Maybe you just need to sit and pray through something. Maybe, maybe for you, you would like someone to agree with you in prayer for an area that's just kind of come to the service, surface as Pastor Chad has been speaking. We have some prayer partners. In fact, if you're one of our prayer partners for this service, go ahead and and come up. And we would love, love to be able to pray with you and pray for you. And then um, finally, I just want to remind you about next week. We're so excited about this series that that there's going to be a, a timely series. Make sure to invite someone to be with you. Would you stand to your feet this morning? This week, may you live your faith. May you live your faith in obedience, May you live your faith in faithfulness. May you live your faith in relationships. And may you live your faith in God. God bless you guys. We'll see you later.